0: When Jack was a kid, she went out with this guy named Aiden. But they broke up after about 12 hours. And to explain why, Jack wrote Aiden a letter.
1: Dear Aiden, you're incredibly shallow and self-centered and horny. I mean, I get it. You're a guy, but lay off a bit. I mean, if you use girls, you're going to get a huge punch in the face one day. I mean, can you say jerkhead? I can. Aiden. And then as I sign all letters, Jackie B XO XXO PS. F- you.
0: That's Jack reading a breakup letter that she wrote but never actually sent. And this is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. I'm Dan Meisner. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live at the Black Knight Pub in Yellowknife, we have weak bladders, friends of the forest, and a proven strategy for dealing with bullies. This stuff is cute, it is weird, it is angsty, and it gives us an instant connection to our past. So think about who you were when you were a kid and stick around. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Hewlett Packard Enterprise. At CDW, we get modern servers need to be flexi- flexible, scalable, and predictable. I predicted you'd say that. <clears throat> okay, what would I say next? Probably something about server security. Impressive and freaky. CDW can implement secure Hewlett Packard Enterprise Gen 10 servers that improve speed and performance while, reducing, while co- reducing costs. See predictable. IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. I predict a web address. CDW.com slash HPE. I'm in your mind, man. When our next reader, Page, was growing up, he was bullied. And so between the ages of 10 and 15, he wrote something that he called The Guide to Social Survival. Basically, Paige would have a terrible interaction at school, obsessively think about how to deal with it, and then go home to write down his winning strategy in a notebook. Please welcome reading selections from the Guide to Social Survival, Paige. Just a quick heads up, Paige's reading mentions a body part. A private body part.
2: All right, under bullies. You are being shot by a student with a rubber band behind you. Usually it starts with one occurring, and you assuming that some sort of mistake. Then as time passes and a second and third hits you, it's obvious that there's some showmanship occurring amongst the students behind you. <laughs> it's tempting to turn around and say, ''Stop it!'' or ''Tell the teacher.'' But the end objective needs to be kept in mind. If you say, ''Stop it,'' why would they? You're giving them the exact reaction they want, not causing a problem for them while identifying they're of a higher social status than you. And that all you can do is plead with them to allow you to spend the class free from harassment. Telling the teacher will accomplish the teacher telling the student behind you to leave you alone. The teacher can't help. Obviously, they haven't seen the bullying occurring or they would have stopped it themselves. They can't send the bully to detention based on your word. At this point, you seem trapped. Instead, you need a new approach. Either assert your dominance or remove your name from a potential list of targets. Asserting dominance is difficult and requires years of work to effortlessly become a popular kid, so it's better to just remove yourself from a list of targets. So don't make yourself an easy target. Don't wait until the next row hits you. Instead, wait until your teacher isn't aware of what's going on in your corner of a classroom and then raise your hand. When the teacher addresses you, complain, student behind me keeps asking to suck my dick. It's... (laughs) It's creeping me out. make it seem like the person behind you is doing things that are embarrassing to them when they pester you. Hopefully you can choose something that hurts them personally. (laughs) If if they come from a rough home, (laughs) put your hand up and complain to the teacher, student behind me's parents don't love them. If they don't know enough, just complain that they smell like piss. Make them self-conscious. Make the experience of bullying you uncomfortable and difficult so they move to another target.
0: After the show, Paige called in to explain why he started writing The Guide to Social Survival in the first place.
2: Uh, the irony um, of uh, meticulously having this list of anti-bullying strategies is exactly the sort of thing that led to me getting bullied in the first place. <laughs> yeah, well, what basically happened is in, in elementary school I was really popular because I'd have all these imaginary games um, and lead these fantasy expeditions with um, a group of boys at the school but when I got to middle school it was like someone had taken every other student in the class and taught them how to be cool and then put them back in my class so I really didn't give that memo at all and I would be running around at lunchtime pretending to be a robot uh, while they were all smoking and listening to music and watching this loser child who was just refusing to grow up. So that's why I started writing the guide to social survival because my life sucked and I had no friends and it was better than changing schools. So um, message to uh, the kids, don't worry, I used to be a loser, but now I'm uh, super cool. <laughs>
0: I love it when a piece of kid writing is rooted in a very specific time or place. Maybe that's a pop culture reference that gives away the year, or a local reference that ties the writing to a particular city or street. Our next reader, Heidi, brought along a selection of diary entries from grade three. And if you listen very closely, you'll understand why some of them could only have been written growing up in Yellowknife in the 1980s. Here's Heidi.
1: Dear Diary, I am nine years old. I just had my birthday on the 23rd of September. Cyndi Lauper is my favorite singer. On Friday, I'm gonna get a baby My Little Pony. Goodbye, Diary. See you tomorrow. October 3rd, 1985. Dear Diary, I think that men should be able to cook their own food. I think that women should be able to fix their own things but I don't have to worry about that because I'm not getting married. Goodbye, see you tomorrow. (laughs) Dear Diary, a couple days ago from now, Amy and I were walking home from school. While we were walking, we saw a dog. It was trying to get under a fence. It made it under, but there was another dog. It made it under the fence too, but it was dead. And there was blood on its face and its eyes were open, but it was not moving. Dear Diary, there was an earthquake in Nahanni Butte and Wrigley on October 5th. Some people felt it in Edmonton. No people felt it in Yellowknife. Some of the kids in our class have relatives that live there. On Friday, I got a baby pony. Her name is Baby Moondancer. Today, I can't remember anything. First, I forgot my news. Then I forgot to do my spelling. The only thing I remembered was my math. Now I don't even know what to write about. Nikki is sharpening her pencil. And Bonnie Jean is sharpening her pencil. Now I'm going to sharpen my pencil. Friday, October 25th, 1985. Dear Diary, today we are going to try to finish our haunted houses. And today my cousin said that he's going to run away when the snow melts. Two more days till Halloween, the bylaw officer is coming to our class today. And I'm going to dress up as a space dog with wings. Today is Halloween. I got my name in the newspaper for saving Tin Can Hill. I don't know what that means. On Halloween, I ended up being a big fat strawberry. We are going to a play, and the play is my news article. Today I was laughing my head off. Amy said, "Ooh, look at Kyle.' I don't care, I said. I'll kick his bum, and then it'll fall off, and then I'll kick it again, and his (laughs) bum will run away. Oh boy, three more weeks until Christmas, and my tooth is loose, and I have a cold, and one duck lived to be 49 years old, and Ina might be moving to a different school. Giant mine poured its 10,000th gold brick last Friday. One man has been hiccuping for 63 years. He has two wives, and he can't keep his false teeth in. And he got them when he was killing a pig. 20 more days till Christmas. Dear Diary, sorry, yesterday I was sick, and I threw up 11 times. First it was Hayden that got sick, then Amy, then Adam, then me, then Auntie Margot, and this is who I think will get sick next. Gillis and then my mom and then my dad and then my uncle Joe and I'm tired of writing so if you want more information you're gonna have to think harder
0: In 1974, our next reader, Jamie, was 19, and he was just starting second year as a biology undergrad at Queen's University. And Jamie, well, he was what you might call a dedicated student. And I know that because that year, Jamie kept a journal, and 41 years later, at our show in Yellowknife, he shared a few excerpts. September 8th,
3: 1974. I'm pleased with my course selection. This year, there's nothing I'm taking grudgingly like physics or calculus. Psychology will add some interesting spice to my three biologies. (laughs) Organic chemistry could be tricky, but I'll just have to knuckle down. Here at my desk, I'm happy to do hours of reading, researching, and manipulating knowledge with a capital K. To keep on top of the work is a moral victory, which I hope to maintain at all costs. (laughs) September 25th, still on top of the courses, and the future looks good. In fact, the future looks quite certain, and never have I supposed myself more its master. (laughs) November 1st, Ian Osler, a housemate and I sat around tonight smoking white owls and watching The Graduate on our dinky black-and-white TV. It got me thinking, what will happen after I graduate? Who will I be? Wow! Ask me in ten years! December 13. I lost Damien tonight. I left him in front of our house for maybe an hour, unlocked, untethered. I'd fully intended bringing him in, but instead totally forgot him. I should tell you that Damien was my beloved Peugeot 10-speed bike. Never had a piece of machinery provided me with more joy or allowed me to experience new territory so easily. Damien had risen above mere metal and rubber, becoming a trusted friend an adventurous traveling companion. After a few soothing beers, I spent much of that night roaming the streets, calling out his name. (laughs) Damien! Damien! We await Damien too. January 19th. Time to throw myself into academic overdrive. I may have to sacrifice friends, but so it goes. Fanatical, possessed... Mad, crazed, these are words that hopefully will be thrown around behind my back. (laughs) Gone are my days of hedonism and mediocrity. (laughs) Uh, April 23rd, my hometown. Four months out of Queens to do what I like. I have a clear head, a clean conscience, and an empty bank account. A job is waiting for me back at the boneyard for 4.80 an hour, which, at the time of writing, is an awful lot of money for watering flowers in the sunshine and waiting for people to die so we can bury them. <laughs> really, I did. My resources of Herman Hesse, Alan Watts, and Isaac Asimov have been restocked and are itching to be read. Meanwhile, celibacy and I have become close companions. <laughs> And and her presence is not welcome. But there are many fish in the sea. Thank you. Jeans. They're an American staple. No article of clothing is more closely linked to our nation's history. Today, denim's a $90 billion industry, but that success didn't come easy. I'm David Brown, the host of Wondery Show Business Wars. We go deep into some of the biggest corporate rivalries of all time. And in our latest series, we're unzipping how Levi's, Lee, and Wrangler managed to take workman's wear from the frontier to the runway— and closets around the world. Join us for Denim Wars. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app.
0: A lot of kids have a special relationship with nature and animals, but just because they have a special relationship doesn't necessarily make them all that knowledgeable about nature and animals. Our next reader, Mark, shared a few selections from the environmental studies notebook he kept when he was nine.
4: The squirrel is an enemy of the forest because it eats the bark of the tree or the cones so that there are no seeds to grow. The squirrel is part of the rat family and does not do any help at all to the forest except help it die. (laughs) The caterpillar is an enemy of the forest. Because the butterfly lays its eggs on on a leaf of a tree and flies off. When the eggs hatch, the caterpillars all start eating the leaves, and that doesn't do the plant any help at all. The hedgehog is a friend to the forest because he eats the little animals that ruin the trees, and he eats all the bad insects that dig holes in the tree or eat the leaves of the tree. the badger is a friend of the forest because he eats slugs, snails, worms, wasps, nests, frogs, mice, and grubs. In the forest, the men put fences around all the small trees so that small animals and insects would not get in. The badger digs under the fence to get to the insects and the hole he makes lets all the other animals in so the men who made the gate that no other animals can get into can get in. It's, it's, it's written here, so it must be true. The fox gets into a lot of mischief at a farm. The fox is one of the cleverest animals because when he is being chased, that's spelled C-H-A-S-T-E, when, when, he's, when he's being chased, he hops on sheep. So the dogs will loose the scent. Yeah. The beaver. The beaver is an enemy of the forest. (laughs) Because it eats the trees and chops them down to make a dam. The beaver can be a friend also, because the beaver eats all the insects. Didn't know that.
0: Today, Mark works in environmental consulting. He's a friend of the forest. Sometimes the things people bring to grown-ups read things they wrote as kids are a little bit embarrassing, a little cringe-worthy, or maybe awkward. And most often, this stuff is cringeworthy only in retrospect. It's the kind of embarrassment that only comes with a little bit of time and perspective. But sometimes, the things we wrote as kids aren't just embarrassing to our adult selves, they were just as embarrassing at the time we wrote them. Here's Andrea.
5: All right, so the title of this page is The Most Embarrassing Thing That Ever Happened to Me. So, one time, I was with my friend. We were walking towards the field. It was like 3.30 p.m. She said I wanted to be there because of this guy I liked. And I told her, oh sure, because he's so attractive. And I pretended like I fainted, so we laughed. This other guy came, he pushed my friend towards him. She fell on the bike, then fell in the trash. I started laughing, I couldn't hold it, and I peed. (laughs) I didn't get up the floor until my mom came. I made her believe that I fell on dirt. Another time, I was with the same friend, and this other guy, and this other guy, and another guy. One of those guys touched someone's face, and for some reason, I was trying to imitate it with my hands. So after that, he proceeded to chase me all over the playground. Um, I fell on top of a car. The alarm went off. Then you can guess what happened. Dot dot dot. Yes, I peed. I could not run, and I just dropped myself on the floor. I didn't want to get up. But I did and then the guy like came and he was standing like really close to me and I didn't know what to do so that he couldn't see my wet pants. But thank goodness, I think nobody noticed and I left as fast as I could. Another time, <laughs> I, w- I was with my friends <laughs> in the playground. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I dropped myself on the ground, we laughed, and then I fell laughing and peeing. <laughs> When I got up, I told my friends that my skirt got wet because there was water by the swings. My friend didn't believe me. Anyway, then I had to go get the picture taken because it was the yearbook picture. And I was doing everything so that nobody could see my wet butt. So finally, I found some shorts in the locker room. I took off my skirt, put on the dirty old sweaty shorts that somebody else had left in the lost and found. Everybody thought it looked like a freak, but at least they didn't know about my little accident.
0: <laughs> when Lauren was 15, he went away to boarding school to play hockey.
6: I left Vancouver and I went to Saskatchewan, and so I left a little piece of my heart in Vancouver with this girl named Tanya, and we exchanged all kinds of letters, but rather than than tell her I loved her, I just uh, thought I'd sweep her off her feet eventually by by, uh, supporting her in her relationships with other guys. (laughs)
0: Now, a quick heads up, some of Lauren's letters to Tanya include cuss words, which we do not bleep. They also acknowledge the existence of sex. Okay, there's your heads up. Here's Lauren.
6: Dear Tanya, last time I talked to you, you were upset about Noah. How's that situation? Even though there's tons of garbage going on with him, it sounds like you and Luke are making up a bit. What is up with you and Shane? Things here are pretty good. Today is the first laundry I've had since I got here, so I've been washing my underwear by hand while I shower. (laughs) Has there been any good parties lately? By the way, you're the only person that writes as much as they say they will. Actually, that's not true. Theo, who is to this day still my best friend, keeps his promises. He told me that he wouldn't write, and he hasn't. (laughs) Love, Lauren. Dear Tanya, that's too bad about Jamie and you, but that's unfortunately the way things tend to go. I know you guys were pretty into each other and that you thought of sleeping with him, but is this loss on the same level as when you and Luke broke up? I guess you grew pretty attached to Jamie quickly, but hopefully it was just infatuation. Infatuation goes way up on an emotional level and then comes down fairly quickly. Another thing that can happen to me is that instead of being really into the person, I'm really into the idea of being in the relationship. (laughs) Then when the relationship isn't perfect like it was in my imagination, I lose the desire to uphold the relationship. (laughs) By the way, thanks for the picture. You shouldn't be so hard on yourself. You look good. Hopefully you found the picture of me. I've changed a lot since that photo was taken. I now have sideburns. Love, Lauren. Dear Tanya, your letter came at the perfect time. I was having a shitty week and I was getting really bummed out. When I'm reading a letter from home, I kind of forget where I am for a couple of minutes. What you told me about Scott doesn't surprise me at all. I heard in one of my letters from someone else that you and Luke are involved again. Sorry if it's old news, but news travels slow in Saskatchewan. I got my haircut and the damn lady took off my sideburns. Love, Lauren. P.S. The only bad thing right now is that my roommate just started using steroids. This whole exchange culminates in, in, a, in a Valentine's Day card. There it is. That's the card I chose for her. Three elephants with some hearts. Tanya, hopefully this will get to you on time, but if not, I hope you had a good Valentine. I tried to find the least mushy card I could. In your last letter, uh, it said you were having a pretty tough time trying to straighten out your feelings for Luke. <laughs> I'm no pro on the matter, but I know that the worst thing for both of you would be to stop talking. The hardest part is doing what you're doing right now, which is trying to maintain your friendship despite some stronger feelings. Things here are moving along pretty well. Valentine's Day is coming up and I'm still flying solo. Flying solo is great. <laughs> but not on Valentine's Day. The other, night, the other night we were making predictions for everybody's life. As a joke, a bunch of girls decided that I'm on my way to being a good old down-home farmer with a cute wife that raises the kids. Pretty scary, hey? (laughs) I told them what is really going to happen, that is, after I graduate from my hockey scholarship at Cornell, I will travel all over and find a sweet tropical wife who wears a coconut bra. She will take care of everything while I'm on the road playing in the NHL. After that, we'll buy a cabin on a lake where we can spend our weekends with all our kids. By the way, Time Magazine names me Father of the Year in 2009. We can all dream, love Lauren.
0: I really want to get in touch with Tanya right now.
7: <laughs> Hi, Dan. This is Tanya Stadnick. I just uh, finished listening to the reading that Lauren did. So uh, I, I thought I would answer some of your questions.
0: I asked Tanya to call in and she explained that all those letters Lauren sent more than 20 years ago were sitting in a box at her mom's house. So a couple months ago, Tanya's mom sent Tanya the box, then Tanya sent Lauren the letters, and then I sent Tanya a recording of Lauren, reading them on stage.
7: And then listening to him, I honestly, I was laughing so hard and I really wonder how I missed that he had a crush on me. I have a funny story actually I remember him coming back uh, from Saskatchewan and uh, he brought me this little stuffed baby Simba lion from the Lion King and then he took me to the movie and somehow I still missed at that point that uh, that he had a crush on me Um, you know Lauren was was my rock when I was younger and uh, you know there's some people that you never forget from your from your younger years and Lauren's definitely one of those so listening to all of this it uh It helped to bring some laughter and light to my day. Um, I even had my husband listen to them, and uh, after he he finished recovering from, from his laughter, he said to me, damn, why didn't you date that guy?
0: That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Our show was recorded live at the Black Knight Pub in Yellowknife and produced by Jenna Meisner. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullatone. Now, we have upcoming live shows in Toronto, Ottawa, London, and Kitchener, Ontario, plus... More shows to announce soon. I would love to hear the stuff you wrote when you were a kid. For full details or to join our email newsletter where we announce new live events, visit grownupsreadthings.theywroteaskids.com or use the links in the show notes on your device right now. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening.